Hello, everyone. Happy 2023 New Year. Welcome to the pod. My name is Paige. And I'm Emily. And once again, we are both just simply captivated by Siobhan's big, huge boobs. And you're listening to Tuesdays Are for Twilight. Long time, no pod. How's it been going? How are you? Things have been going just kooky crazy in my life. Lots of lots of moving parts and lots of just lots of things going on. Um, I, you know, had some fun Christmas antics with the fam, some fun birthday antics with the Emily, i.e. you, and friends, and pretty good New Year's antics at the funeral home because I was on call. Love that. Um, I do got to tell the listeners in case they don't follow us on Instagram or didn't see us that Paige's birthday gift to me was fantastic. It is a black crew neck sweatshirt, very comfortable, you know, probably like Jersey or whatever those brands are um, from an artist on Etsy. And it just says Dilf Charlie Swan with two different pictures of Billy Burke as Charlie Swan in the Twilight movies. One is a side profile, the other of him in like in his cop uniform. And the other one is um, like a front facing photo in his flannel. And I love it so much. I wore it all day today. I actually took it off right before I called you. I saw it. I think I saw it as like an Instagram ad or I saw it on TikTok or something. It was some cookies that found the right person. Like the cookies are really listening. And I was like, this is Emily's birthday present. I have to get it. And I'm just, I'm really glad that it's getting use. I am a huge proponent of crew neck sweatshirts and I would love to spread the crew neck love anywhere I can. I love them very much too. Yeah. I feel like you ate those cookies right up. So (laughs) they were delicious. Um, what else is there to go over? Yeah. Um, it's a new year. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Um, not really. I'd like, I, it's not even really a resolution, more like a goal now that I'm working full time and also part time. Um, I would like to pay off more of my credit card debt because don't tell the IRS, don't tell the banks, but I put all of my tuition on my credit card. So I would like to start paying for some of that. Why do you say don't tell them? Are you not allowed to do that? No, I just don't want them to, like, be mad at me. Who cares? Me. (laughs) I want them to be mad at me, actively. Um, I have a few New Year's resolutions, but I'll just share one with this group because, like, it's boring. Or the rest are boring. Um, I want to read a book every month, which is kind of pathetic for me. But last year, I think I read like three books total because I just have gotten out of the habit of reading because I scroll through social media instead. And so, yeah, I'm really trying to get back on that grind because when I was younger, I used to read like a lot more than 12 books a year. So figure it's a good start. I think that's a really great resolution. I have always really struggled with getting back into reading. So I commend you on your your journey. I also just wanted to give a big, huge thank you to um, Angela, Tom, and Ads. They all have tuned in at one point or another to watch my streams on Twitch. Thank you. I, I, I'm so appreciative that you guys like me enough that you'll watch me on two different platforms. Watch slash listen. But you guys are the best, and I appreciate all of you so much. I love that so much. Thank you, guys. 
Um, I guess we should get into it. Well, first, let's do a recommendations corner. Uh, do you want to go first or me? I'll go first. Um, so my recommendation is for the vegetarian slash vegan slash gluten free fans out there. If there are any of you, I'm recommending the brand Applegate. They do a lot of chicken products like sausages and like breakfast items, but they also do gluten free slash vegetarian slash vegan chicken nuggets. And they are my favorite brand of all time. So I just want to recommend they're a little expensive because they treat the chickens nicely before, you know, like they they treat them humanely. Um, so and also they're kind of like a dietary specialty kind of a thing. But the quality is real good. I've they've been great, like literally since I was diagnosed with with celiac disease and they're just getting better. So I would recommend them. Love that. Pump up that brand. Mine is also a brand. We're, go- we're we're leaning into capitalism in the new year, I guess. Um, but I was gonna say ASICs. Are you familiar? Is it tech? It's technology, right? No, it's um like sporting goods. They make like clothing that I don't really wear. But I am specifically talking about the shoes. So it's like a tennis brand shoe. Like if you've ever heard of Brooks, they're really similar to that. It's just running shoes basically. But if you've ever heard of Hoka, again, I don't know if you've heard of that. <laughs> Striking out today. Hoka is like very famous, very popular right now, very hot with the TikTok girlies. And as a result, like literally has nothing in stock that I want. Like I've been waiting for months to buy this one shoe from them. And it like literally since October and it just will not restock. And I was like, you know what? Fuck this. Because I have this pair of running shoes that are ASICs that are older. And I was like, I bet ASICs has like the same fucking thing and probably for cheaper. And they did. Shout out to you, two old Dickie Sporting Goods. <laughs> Why did I say that? The old Dickie's Sporting Goods. <laughs> Anyways, yeah, Dick's had them. And yeah, I love them. They're all white. They're fresh. They're clean. Love it. Do they feel good on your feet? Yes, they're called like the gel Nimbus or something, which is actually accurate because it does feel very cloudy when I'm walking. I only found out today, this might make me sound stupid, but I just don't, I didn't know. But I found out literally today when I was working out with friend of the pod, Liddy, that they make running shoes. It's you know, like I had been wearing, first of all, the very first time we went running, I wore my fucking Converse because I wore them weightlifting because Millie said, oh, those are good for weightlifting. And I was like, oh, it translates to running. I have never been in more excruciating shin pain in my life. So then I was like, okay, can't wear those. I'll just wear my ugly ass tennis shoes because those are for sports. And like they were better, but not great. Not great. So when Liddy today said something about getting running shoes, I was like in my head, like, they make shoes specifically for running. Maybe that's why running hurts me so much. I don't mean to laugh. I don't know what else to say. (laughs) You know, the thing is is that I just have never, running has never been an activity or a sport that I have participated in by itself. So, you know, how was I supposed to know? Yeah, that makes total sense. And honestly, props to you for starting because I detest running. 
kind. I get the the girlies who like it. I get that they get like this high from it. That's what I get from squatting heavy. Like I don't. We are not the same, but in the in a way we are the same, you know. So it's just it's not for me. But unfortunately, I have to do it all the time. I do it a lot less now than I did when I was a soccer player, but still. Do you run on a treadmill? Do you run on the track in the gym, or do you run outside? What's your go-to? It really depends on the. Here's a woo-woo phrase for you. Season of life that I'm in. Um, first of all, I don't have a track in my gym, but there is a track at Boyfriend of the Pots, Jacob's old high school, which is really close to where I live. Um, so occasionally I'll be in a phase where I do that and outside running more without getting too into the weeds. Like what you do in a week is called your workout split. And right now my split is like all treadmill based cardio and also it's winter. So yeah, there's no shame. I was just curious. Yeah. I, yeah, I know there is no shame, but you should, you should know to never ask me about fitness things because I can pop off. And listeners might not know, I do have a treadmill in my apartment that I got for free from an old coworker, which is lit. So I do love that. I didn't even think about the fact you had a treadmill in your apartment. Like if I had a treadmill in my house, I've always said this. If I had an elliptical or a bike machine or a treadmill, I would be on that shit all the time. Just watching TikToks or reading like I... The reason that I have so much apprehension about working out is just social anxiety. So if I if I had an at-home gym, I would be ripped. Totally, yeah. It's totally, like, a thing. And I'm very intrigued by those, like, walking desks, too, because I have my treadmill, but I couldn't really, like, hold a computer on it. Like, it just is not set up that way. So, yeah, I'm intrigued by that, too. I've seen on TikTok, like, a little transportable little walking treadmill. I, I suppose you could construct some kind of desk unit or like use something and walk on it. I don't know. Who knows? Yeah, they have lots of different setups. Like sometimes they'll have one that like literally comes with a desk. My thing with those is that, okay, again, no one cares, but I like to walk on an incline and those are like flat usually. So anyway. Yeah. Anyways, Twilight, um, what'd you think of chapters 31 and 32 of Breaking Down? I have been so excited to go over these chapters since I read on Saturday or Sunday, whichever day it was. Why in the fuck did Stephanie Myers wait until, hold on, the 600s of the last book to get me excited? I have never been more captivated by a a bit of Myers literature than these two chapters. The first one, we get a little more information about perhaps what the Volturi is up to. And I still feel like I'm a little bit right in what I'm predicting that clearly Arrow wants something from the family. And I still stand by, I think it might be Renesmee. I think it might be. Um, Hearing Eleazar's stance and like his look into things was very insightful. We find out a little more about other members of the Volturi, like Chelsea. I want to get to know her. I want to be friends with Chelsea personally. Um, So that chapter was really interesting. I did also really enjoy, it did make me feel a little better inside about what Alice did, because in my head, I just thought she just wanted to bounce 
and be like, bye. But first of all, she you can tell she her and Jasper are still actively working to try and help the situation. They're sending people their way. But also it's kind of revealed that Alice must have known that's what Arrow wanted was her. And she's like, if I tell anyone, they're going to know because Arrow will read their thoughts. So I just got to go and like no one's going to know what's going on. So I did have a I did enjoy that this chapter made me feel a little more relieved, I guess, about Alice and Jasper's choice. The second chapter? Stephanie went off. I was like, flip, flip, flip. Tell me more. Tell me more. I want to hear about all the covens. I was captivated. Stephanie Meyer wrote in the fucking avatar in this book. I... I loved everything about the the second chapter. I am so excited. I I loved all the characters. I will say there was a little racism, but we'll get to it. We'll get to it. Yeah, I had that on my list too, but it was funny because I, I mean, I obviously knew Benjamin existed, but then when I reread it this time, I was like, oh, Paige is going to eat this right up. The hoes going to love this. And I'm the hose, and I did love this. I really feel like, I mean, maybe she didn't. I think Stephanie enjoys characters and, like, characterization, which, like you said, Brie Tanner was sort of just an exercise for her on just coming up with a character story. And I think that that is a strong suit of hers, you know, like, something that she enjoys doing, too. So I think that either she just was wanted to do, wanted to get all the ideas out in one chapter that she was like, this person wasn't enough to be like a full main character but I do want to throw them in let's just throw them in or she did a couple just to be like if I ever wanted to do a spinoff I have enough going here that the audience is captivated that they'll want to hear more about these characters like she has enough characters going on that she could make as many spinoffs as she wants you know absolutely I think both are true I feel like she, like, made up all these people because she wanted to, and then she's like, you know what? A bitch going to do a glossary in this chapter. <laughs> and then, go ahead. That was exciting. I So I didn't look at the glossary because I opened it, and I saw Laurent's name was crossed out, meaning that he was dead, and I was like, I don't know if there's any spoilers in here, so I'm going to shut it. So I was going to ask if it's okay if I look at it. Yes, she made sure to do that. So um, there's a thing at the top that says struck with a line through it, and then it's, like, basically it's like a key. And it says, deceased before beginning of this novel. Gotcha. Okay, yeah. As soon as I saw Laurent, I, like, I didn't even want to like, even look anymore. So that's, I'll, I'll take a peek at it afterwards. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I also think Stephanie's always down for another spinoff. She's in her bag. I can't, I can't shame her for that. When you're so rich that you never have to think about what you do for the rest of your life, why not make another spinoff? You never have to worry about your income ever again. Why not have a little fun? Might as well, yeah. Um, I do want to say, though, I liked the second chapter. I did not like the first. My summary note for this chapter was Steph calling herself out in every way. And I'll get into why. <laughs> Don't worry. I I guess also I didn't it didn't get brought up, but I think Bella exploring her powers was also very I, I really enjoyed reading that part as well. Yeah, yeah. I was gonna ask you about that, so we'll definitely get into it. But let's cover chapter 31 first. So there's like literally no time jump. Um you know, the very next thing that happens. 
So we left off with the Denali clan had just arrived and they believe their story and have agreed to stand with them in defense of Renesmee. Number one thing that Stephanie is calling herself out about. Top of page 595, second, first full page of the chapter. She uses the word longing to refer to how Jacob is looking at literally an infant. That is disgusting. I'm sorry. I know we harp on this all the time. I don't care. I'm going to continue to harp on it. What the fuck? Literally any, not any other word, but a lot of other words would have been better. Just saying. I also simply do not understand how none of these guests, not a single one, has anything to say. One of them says, why is Jake, why, why are the werewolves here? No one asks, why is he looking at her like that? Like, I, you know, maybe, maybe something is erased inside of you when you get turned into a vampire, but like, I don't know. I feel like that would be weird regardless of if you're immortal or not. You know? Yes. My theory is that they're all just being too polite. Like, for example, I feel like Garrett saw it and was like, the fuck is that? <laughs> I have never met a Garrett I didn't like. I, I do have to say. That's actually true. I've met a couple unhinged ones, but I still like them. Same. I I worked with one for a long time. I, I do think that they have an unhinged energy. I also think that Garrett in this book has an unhinged energy. Case in point, he wants mommy Kate to give him a big fat shock. He loved it. He wanted to be put right on his back. It's just, I feel, I'm happy that Stephanie's finally leaning into like her pain fetish. Just lean all the way in. You've leaned in on all your other fetishes, so let's let's get some more. Ain't that the truth? Since we're very close to that section that you just read, I want to read, I think, my personal favorite part. <laughs> so kind of in the middle of page 595, it's when Eliezer, is it Eliezer or I think maybe Carmen, someone calls Bella a shield. <laughs> I'm going to read this a little bit. Really quick. It's Eliezer because his gift is discerning the gifts of others. You're right. Yes. Um. So Eliezer calls Bella a shield just offhandedly. And then Edward goes, I'm going to read it. Excuse me, Edward said in a stunned voice. He reached out and caught Eliezer's shoulder as he was about to turn again for the door. What did you just call my wife? I cannot. <laughs> did not hear Edward Cullen, Cullen, Edward Cullen, call Bella his wife. Like, I can't. <laughs> so funny. Why? They're married. You know, like, like my wife. <laughs> I don't, I don't think I can relate to you on this one. It's a, it's a Borat, uh, quote, my wife. That's why it's over my head. I've never seen that one, but I'm glad you found enjoyment in it. I just, it's either that or I can also hear John Mulaney saying my wife and, which I don't, I don't want to bring up because they're divorced, but you know, whatever. Divorce happens, people. Um, anyways, <laughs> so yeah, we're kind of there. Anyways, I was going to ask you, do you have any further thoughts on Bella being a shield? Because like she even comes out and says, she's like, I thought I already knew my power was not killing humans. Now I have two powers. Like, what do you think about that? 
I just really don't think that the the fact that she's so good at being a vampire is a superpower. I just think she's stubborn and wants to be wants this real bad. So she will not allow herself to falter. I think maybe she just has a super stubbornness, but I I don't think that she has two powers. <laughs> Yeah, me neither. I was just um, asking you because you originally thought that that was her superpower. I guess like at the time, it seemed like a superpower. But the more that I think about Bella's character and like how much she's wanted this for so long and just I feel like she does want to like be the best she possibly can be for Edward and the Collins just in general, but mostly Edward. So like. Do I think it's a superpower now? No. I I think she just has an insane willpower, like a super willpower, I guess. Yeah, that makes sense. I was going to say that you kind of didn't, you didn't predict this, but I, and I don't remember the circumstances. I'm sure you'll come across it in your re-listening. But at some point early on, you literally used the word shield to refer to Bella. And I was like, Hmm. Interesting. Oh, I, you know, it's just, it made sense before she was a vampire that there are some powers that don't work on her. So she has this like shield like ability. I never even considered that it could be then applied to other people, you know, just in my head, like she has a shield in front of herself. So Reading this next little bit is just like I didn't I didn't think that that was even possible in this world. So super super interesting. It is really actually funny listening back. I'm in New Moon now. Um, Bella has just uh, jumped off the cliff, and um, Alice showed back up. Um, that's where I'm at. So it is just so it's really re- actually really really interesting to listen back to the content of what was going on because now I have the knowledge that I didn't have before and I can see the clues or the hints and the foreshadowings and all of this that's going on beforehand. And it's just another crazy thing to go along with the my wife thing. I, it's almost dumbfounding that the Bella in New Moon is only like a year before this Bella. Yeah, do you want to say more? I just like, like, not that she's childish, but she's clearly a teenager in in all of the previous books. I feel like it's been easy to visualize her as an 18-year-old. And now she's like, she is going off. She's a mom. She's married. She has her own business that she's taking care of. She has superpowers that she's dealing with. It's just like, I simply cannot believe she was huddled in the fetal position for months, like a year before this. I can't believe it. And that's on growth, babe. (laughs) But in all reality, that's actually a perfect segue to my next complaint about this chapter. It's just like, I don't know. I feel like I've been complaining for a few chapters now that Stephanie's like kind of taking the easy way out. Like just things are just a little too convenient And Bella literally says, okay, this is on page 600. I'm going to read a little excerpt. 
I was only half listening to Kate, my thoughts racing around the idea that I might be able to protect my little family if I could just learn fast enough. I wished fervently that I might be good at this projecting thing, too, like I was somehow mysteriously good at all the other aspects of being a vampire. Mysteriously good. Yes, I would agree. It's lazy. I'm sorry. It's lazy. I, it's, I don't know why this makes me think of it, but it's, it's like Stephanie knows that she doesn't have the answers and she is now standing with us being like, hmm, yeah, like, that's crazy. I don't, I don't really, I, I don't know how it got that way. Like, just, it's mysterious. It makes me think of this scene from the office where there's this big, huge, it's called a, um, a bailiff, bailiff? Baylor. Baylor? Baylor. It's called a Baylor. And it essentially is like a big like press thing. I don't know what they crush with it. It's in the warehouse. So they do it to crush something. And everyone wants to put stuff in the Baylor throughout the seasons, but it's like hazard for people to do that. And in this particular episode, there are a couple people from the office down in the warehouse and Kevin, who is the like dumb character is like I'm gonna put stuff in it and so he fills it with like bubble wrap and turns it on and it starts making these like loud explosion sounds and so the camera it shows him putting the stuff in and then it like zooms into the actual machine and it's like and then it zooms out and he is then standing with the other two people who were there from the office and he's like hmm how did that happen I that's crazy. I don't know how that happened. I Someone must have broke it. Like, I just feel like Stephanie knows that she's she doesn't have any answers. And she's like, I don't know. It's a mystery. I guess we'll we'll never find out. It's so mysterious. There's no answers. That, I haven't even seen that. And it was a perfect analogy. Like, I just feel like she's like, not my problem anymore, which I can kind of relate to. So. I guess, but if you've time after 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 time left us wondering why we deserve answers. I agree. Anyways, Eliezer's whole thing, his whole theory about what's going on here with the Volturi is kind of what Paige was saying. Basically, he realizes that in his time with them, there was a pattern of like the people that were spared from punishment that were quote unquote innocent tended to have great powers that Arrow loved. I'm like, you didn't notice that at the time? Really? It seems like a common thread with your community. What, obliviousness? No, superpowers. Oh, yeah. Yeah, true. I'm just like, I don't know. It just seems to me like, for all how smart these vampires always say that they are, I'm like, there's so much obvious shit. Like, remember when they were like, oh, it has to be Victoria, which you had been saying for, like, months? <laughs> I, yeah, it's, maybe the brain doesn't get fully vampirized. Maybe there's still some human dumbness in there. There has to be. That's the only explanation. Um, so Eliezer is very disgusted with this because he feels like his whole life's work was a, a sham and he was privy to murder. Is privy the right word there? I don't know. Accessory to murder, I guess. I don't know. He was culpable. I don't know. No, that was, that's a great word. Yeah. Um, so now he's like, they're all kind of discussing this and their theory is basically what Paige said, but they think that the object of Arrow's 
uh, I don't know, dealings that he's about to do here is Alice. But you think that, do you think it's Alice and Renesmee? You think it's just Renesmee? Like, what do you think's going on? Well, here's the thing, is that I don't know if Arrow has any way of knowing about Renesmee. To me, it would make sense, the fact that he's bringing the whole, everyone, he's bringing the whole guard. You know, they do say that it would leave some people defenseless if he were to bring just, like, the strongest people, so they're bringing everyone. But in my mind, it's, like, the biggest show of assertion domination, I guess, to bring everyone. So I think it's possible that... Yes, he is coming for both Alice and Edward, and in discovering what Renesmee is, it will change to Renesmee, because I just don't know how he would know about her yet. But I just, with how special and captivating she is, it would be, I would be, I would be shocked to see that Arrow wouldn't care. He wouldn't be interested in that, because... She has a power that's unlike, I feel like, anyone that we've read about. So I could see him wanting her once he finds out what she is and what she's capable of. Do I think that he's aware of her now? I just simply don't know how he would be. Yeah, I mean, that makes total sense. I, again, I feel like I've said this before, but I'm just like, I'm wondering how, if that's the case... Like, he's going to justify not killing the quote-unquote, like, reason for this quote-unquote punishment. You know what I mean? Especially now that, like, there's all these witnesses who may or may not, who might just, like, be there to watch and not participate. You know? Yeah. there. I mean, there's no way for him to know that this is what's happening right now. Because all of, I mean, I guess there are some ways sure but I don't think we know about we would know about those ways like yeah hypothetically a vampire could show up and be like hmm this is going on and then go to the Volturi and tell them but like we don't know about that yet like the way that Arrow would see things is if they're in people's memories and their thoughts you know and I just don't know if anyone in the Volturi has seen these things or has had these thoughts so it would have to be someone bringing this information to him that maybe we don't know about. I mean, m- maybe that is the case. Maybe someone is going to spill the beans and who's to say? I don't know. Um, but I just, I it, I really feel like he's going to be like, hmm, Renesmee seems like a great tool. I want her too. And maybe he's just going to, like, there's talk of this in this chapter that it's going to really change the way that things are like it's going to really kind of like disrupt what's been created and kind of create something new and maybe he's gonna go kind of on an evil turn say like I don't really care that you're innocent I want to be the most powerful and you know kill innocent vampires I guess we'll see I guess we will see um a counterpoint to what you said like is the literally existence and appearance of the Romanians at the end of the chapter. Because they just said, like, word travels, which I believe is true, because how many of the vampires can be out there for the human race to still, like, 
survive. You know what I mean? Like, I know there's a lot of humans, but they also have to eat every other fucking day or whatever. So there's probably not that many. It's probably a small community. And nobody wanted these creeps to show up. And yet here they are. So, like, I just feel like it's not that unbelievable for, like, word to have gotten to the Volturi somehow. Because I'm sure there's, like, Volturi apologists, you know? Yeah, I could totally see that. I kind of forgot about the fact that they made a point to mention that they were uninvited and that they heard that this was going on. And I kind of love that they're shit stirs. I mean, we'll get to it, but they were just like, I don't like those bitches either. We're, we're coming. We're on your side on this. <laughs> yeah, totally. Yeah, I love them. Um, yeah, so then there's a little bit brief discussion about other members of the Volturi, including Chelsea, whose power is to, let me just read it. This is on page 602. There's one among the guard, Edward said, explaining Eleazar's angry reaction. Her name is Chelsea. She has influence over the emotional ties between people. She can both loosen and secure these ties. She can make someone feel bonded to the Volturi, to want to belong, to want to please them. And yeah, on the second to last page of the chapter is kind of what you were just saying. Um, Carmen makes a point to say, this is page 605. If the Volturi are abusing the trust all immortals have placed in them, dot, dot, dot. And then Eleazar says, does it matter? Who would believe it? And even if others could be convinced that the Volturi are exploiting their power, how would it make any difference? No one can stand against them. So that's a good point, too. Yeah, I think it would be... I I just genuinely don't think that Arrow doesn't know the power that he wields. He he 100% knows the authority that he has over pretty much any group, any coven of vampires. I I think I mentioned this many books ago. Maybe it was an eclipse, but I I think he's always been maybe particularly jealous of Carlisle or just he can't stand that there's I mean, Carlisle's coven and the Volturi are very different, but I think just that there is another fairly large group of vampires with some that that have special abilities that refuse to go along with him. I can totally see him having this jealousy rippling through him specifically about this coven. So I'm I'm not surprised at all that he would use his powers to take advantage of this coven that he's wanted things from, wa- wanted people, I guess, vampires from, and it has, I feel like, been jealous of in the past. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely evidence for that provided by Alice and then referred to again in this chapter because she says before she leaves, they had already made the decision to come attack the Cullens, the Volturi had, but they were just waiting for a trigger, which when you're immortal, you can wait for forever. You know what I mean? And Irina just like hand delivered it to them. Yeah, it's true. And this will give Arrow the perfect opportunity to do what he does best in killing the the ones that will not serve him the way that he wants and then using Chelsea to get the ones that will. All while looking like an onion. I was reminded in the next chapter that they also have milky eyes. And I was like, "Mm, no, garbage. (laughs) Agreed. Did you have anything else from chapter 31 that we skipped? Um, I don't think so. I mostly have many notes about this following chapter. Okay, yeah, let's get into it. It's 
largely like a roster of all these new characters um, with some Stephanie Meyer branded racism woven through, as Paige kind of already mentioned. Um, right off the bat, I just, it's a small thing, but in the first page of the chapter, Bella says that Edward lends out cars for mealtimes. I'm like, again, why does anyone need a car? They love to run, I thought. I'm just confused by that. It's possible. I mean, we know that the Cullens are wealthy be- beyond belief because of Alice's powers. It's possible that these other vampires have no need for material wealth or like the ability to hoard it, I suppose. So perhaps these fancy cars, I mean, they could get these cars by force from mortals, you know, but I don't know if, if I, if I had any, I could act, I could have access to any car Oh no, this one this one crashed. I'll just go buy another one. If I have the ability to do that, sure. Let anyone drive the cars. It doesn't matter. Like, why not? You know? That's a great point. As someone who famously does not speak car, that had never crossed my mind. So <laughs> I um I have a point to make immediately following that that section, if if you're ready for it. I think I know, but yes, proceed. Picture this. I'm I'm especially on fire about this because I'm listening to New Moon right now. Picture this. You have a best friend, one that pulled you out of a deep, dark depression. Okay, he is constant. You are constantly describing him as a son in your life. You know, j- joyful energy to be around. Just always has a smile on his face and brings a smile to your face. And then you proceed to, to say this. Okay. I'm going to, I'm going to read this. It's at the top of page 608. I was amazed at the easy acceptance the visiting vampires had for Jacob. The problems Edward had anticipated had never materialized. Jacob seemed more or less invisible to them. Not quite a person, but also not food either. They treated him the way that people who are not animal lovers treat the pets of their friends. Okay, yeah, that's a good way to describe your friend and happily describe your friend that way as a pet. And we've already heard the racist comments from many members of the Cullen family calling the the indigenous group dogs. I really, really hate that Bella is leaning into it. I really hate it. Yeah, I mean, you said it. That was one of the two very egregious instances of racism in this chapter that I wanted to point out. And you said it perfectly. So once again, we're not here for it. I like I almost it it almost makes me feel like Bella has accepted that the the draw the pull that Jacob had to her was maybe because of Renesme there was mention of it a couple chapters ago that Jacob kind of insinuated that that's why he was always pulled and drawn to her was because Renesme was within her at some point and it's i feel like she's accepted it and is like yeah he's my friend now but like i'm no longer the person that i really was to him you know there's someone else now in his life that's like taken his attention and his all of his protectiveness and his 
his almost like his it is his love but I just like I don't I can't see new moon Bella talking about Jacob this way it's just so different you know totally and I think that like so I do think one of your statements is true that she's not the person to him that she once was but I also feel like it's bullshit and bad like basically I don't want to say character assassination but like kind of of like to deny the fact that they had like such a deep friendship and like really trusted each other just on a friend level, like outside of any other ro- whatever romantic feelings there were, you know? Yeah, they were like Bella called him her best friend the entirety of that book. And also in Eclipse as well, like she was so desperate to reclaim the friendship that she once had. And now it's just. It's not the same. I hate it. Two thumbs down. Um, yeah, this is kind of where the roster starts. So I love that we just kind of skip right past Jasper's friends, Peter and Charlotte. <laughs> They're just like wallpaper. Nobody cares about that. <laughs> I'm just like uh, picturing you're in a in a house filled with people with superpowers and you're just regular. Like, I, I, I don't blame them for not having anything interesting written about them. You know, like. Yeah. Yeah, in a way that sounds kind of relaxing, like you can just lay low. <laughs> yeah, and I feel like what we know about Peter, he's had a hard, a rough a rough go of it, so he deserves a fucking break. He deserves to have absolutely no attention paid to him. Yeah, he deserves to be on island time for the rest of his immortal life. Yep. Yep. <laughs> and Charlotte was there, too. That's how they fell in love, that she was one of them, too. That's true. That is true. Yeah. Okay, so then next we meet Siobhan. Will you please just read a very brief description of her? So just in case everyone has forgotten, to me, Siobhan was introduced in Midnight Sun, but to probably every other listener, this was her introduction. Because I don't, she may have been mentioned like by name in other books, but this is the first like we're really seeing her, you know? So in in Midnight Sun, she's described as being a dom a, a domineering presence with with large features, if you will. So this is how she's portrayed in Breaking Dawn. The Irish clan arrived first, and they were surprisingly easy to convince. Siobhan, a woman of immense presence, whose huge body was both beautiful and mesmerizing as it moved in smooth undulations, was the leader. <laughs> Do you want me to read the rest? No, just like say she has big boobs. Like, why are you being weird about it? Why did why did you use the word undulations? It's it's worse than just saying she has big boobs. Like, I I really feel like it wouldn't be, I mean, maybe from Bella, but it wouldn't be outlandish for a female point of like the point of view is is a a young 18-year-old gal, 19, however old, I don't think it would be outlandish for her to be like, wow, she had really big boobs. Like, I was was shocked by how big they were. You know, like, I I notice that shit all the time. Totally. I feel like all women do. Um, I do have to say, in my brain, I picture Siobhan as Lizzo. Like, just regal and beautiful and awesome. Mm Mm-hmm. There is a character... Let me look it up. Okay. She reminds me of a a pretty famous video game character from a Resident Evil game. 
in the game, her name is Lady Dimitrescu. I haven't played it, so I don't know the ac- actual pronunciation, but she's this large, um, huge woman, and she has big, huge boobs and, like, big clothes and, like, a domineering presence. And she's also, like, she's, like, an evil mommy, basically, on the internet. And that's what I view Siobhan as. I love it. Um, the rest of the Irish clan is her mate, Liam, who's not much is said about him. And then Maggie, who is like younger, it seems like, or I don't know if it, they say that she's younger. I just kind of assume that she was like a little bit younger, but she has a gift for like knowing when she's being lied to. So that's that group. I do want to say, I don't know if you remember this, but I listen, obviously I listen to the episode where they're introduced in Midnight Sun and you ask me about Maggie and I correctly predicted slash guessed that she could tell when people lie. Damn, I'm impressed. I don't remember that, but I'll take your word for it. You could be lying. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not, I swear. I know you're not really the type. Also, I will say that in... I. In my tracking of when I start saying absolutely batshit ridiculous things, it fully starts in Midnight Sun because you actively start asking me, what else you got, Paige? And then in like the third episode of Midnight Sun, you make a point in the very beginning to say like the crazy things that Paige says at the end, she just makes up on the fly. So it became regular, like a regular thing I did in the Midnight Sun episodes officially. Thank you for, for following up, closing that loop for us, because I was very curious. Mm-hmm. I'm glad to help. <laughs> the next clan that they talk about is the Egyptian clan. So um, there is Amun and Tia. I hope I'm pronouncing his name right. Um, or no, sorry. Amun and Kebi is like the older couple, Amun being the male and Kebi being the female. And then the two younger members are Benjamin and Tia. They're a matched pair. Um, and Amun and Kebby are just very sus. They don't want to talk to Renesmee. They don't really want to be there. I feel like maybe Carlyle did them a favor at some point, and that's why they're sticking around, because, like, otherwise it just really seems like, well, Kebby never talks, which is misogynistic, but anyways, it really seems like Amun does not want to be there. But everybody seems to like Benjamin. Edward comes out and says that he likes him, and he is the Avatar character who, um, you know, can influence the elements. I... So we we find out a little bit later when Edward is describing Benjamin's powers to Bella. I personally believe that Carlisle showed up and was like, hey, guys, here's the situation and described it. And Amun is like, absolutely not. We are not interested. And Benjamin was like, I don't know. It sounds fun. I mean, I'm probably going to go and check it out. You guys can stay here if you want to, but I'm going to go check it out because Benjamin seems like a very likable character and Amun doesn't want to leave, doesn't want him to leave. He wants to be, he wants Benjamin in his coven. So he like begrudgingly goes along with it. Yeah, I could definitely see that happening. Um, He definitely seems like he wants to control Benjamin because he knows that he's an asset, which is a shitty way to look at a person. But that seems like what's going on. I do want to say, though, a little nugget of good information for you. Benjamin in the movie is played by Remy Malek. I love that. He's actually Egyptian, isn't he? I'm not sure, but I always laugh when I remember because he's like Oscar nominated now. And I'm like, he was in Twilight. (laughs) I'm going to look it up. Okay. Because I feel like he's also in... 
other Egyptian content. Like, he has played other Egyptian characters. I feel like he might have been not at the museum. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm thinking of, yeah. <laughs> um, he is Egyptian. That's yeah. awesome. That's super cool, yeah. Good casting. I do want to say I did have an issue. This was, like, to me... One of the more racist things that I found in in this section. So kind of in the middle on page 609 in the big long paragraph about the Egyptian coven, it reads, It was an unlikely grouping, though the Egyptians all looked so alike with their midnight hair and olive-toned pallor that they easily could have passed for a biological family. Why is it that white people who who see other races or other ethnicities always say they look alike because they just have the same complexion of skin or the same hair color. It's like, you just don't look like that. You know, like not everyone of that heritage looks the same. You just think that because it's not what you're used to. You know, it that just really struck me as like, I bet they don't. I bet they don't. Yeah, thank you for pointing that out and making sure that we didn't miss it because, yeah, it's like totally a trope in especially Western white people racism, racism that Western white people have, that they're like, they all look related. That's really fucked up. Yeah, it's true. And I just, I read that and I was like, once again, we have characters of color that are like just not getting the respect that they deserve. That wasn't even necessary, you know? Like, you're building this cool character who has these awesome powers. Like, what what did that sentence achieve? That was exactly what I was thinking. I was going to say, like, these are the characters. Because who would who would think that Egypt is home to a coven of vampires? Like, what an interesting backstory. Like, how vampires have moved across. Like, there's vampires in every single country. And... Of course, why, why do we gotta, why do we gotta ruin such a fascinating story with this? Absolutely, yeah. Um, okay, so then there's a few, um, nomads that come. Again, there's, there's Mary and Randall, even more like wallpaper than Peter and Charlotte. We literally know nothing about them. (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they're cool, uh, you know, they just, where where are they from exactly, does it say? In the index, it refers to them as American nomads. So, whatever that means. I, so, because it's not specified, I'm going to make my own backstory for them. And I like to picture that they are just, like, people from the East Coast. Maybe New Jersey, maybe Massachusetts. And they have, like, a really thick accent from somewhere that would be fun that would be fun it's canon to me now Mm -hmm. there's also garrett who is also an american nomad um we've kind of already talked about him but he's basically like the adventurer type he seems like he would be into hiking (laughs) i i'm also dead that he is described at the bottom of page 610 garrett came first a tall rangy vampire with eager ruby eyes and long sandy hair he kept tied back with a leather thong. I know that that's another word for a hair tie. I know it. But Stephanie Meyer also knew it. She did not have to use leather thong. I am picturing him in a leather thong. Or that he is literally using a thong 
that is made of leather to tie his hair back. He got it in one of his escapades, I'm sure. <laughs> I like both of those options. I'm I'm here for it. <laughs> we know a Garrett would. We know we know he would. Yes, it's precisely that unhinged style of a Garrett. Next is Alistair, who is like the most emo, most introverted person ever. He like I love that he's like in the attic talking to himself as if literally everyone on the property can't hear everything he's saying. I am literally picturing a mall goth as Alistair. Like he has hair over one eye. He has his his big chunky headphones in and he's listening to because tonight will be the night that I will fall for you like he is in his edgy feels right now I literally was about to sing that song when he brought that up so I'm glad you did it for me yes (sighs) he also does not want anything to do with Renesmee he's just like I I'm sus about the Volturi I don't want to be here again I think I think they actually do mention something about like He's like an old friend of Carlisle's, so like that's why he's sticking around. And I think we've heard his name before. I think it's been mentioned previously, maybe in Midnight Sun, but I know I've heard the name Alistair before. Nice. I don't remember that, but I believe you. And then um, the last two to arrive before the Romanians that we already talked about are the Brazilian clan. This is the area that I really wanted to like touch on with racism. Um, the whole, everything about them, anytime they're referenced in the, this chapter, is racist. Um, without, you know, I don't really feel like repeating all of it because it's it's obviously like not how you should talk about people. Um, but basically Bella refers to them as like savage or wild and uses some of the same kind of racist stuff that Stephanie Meyer has used to refer to indigenous people in the past. Yeah, I, I, I know that what I think, well, I don't know. I'm thinking of like Wonder Woman lore and how Wonder Woman comes from this community of just like insanely strong and versatile and capable women. And they have these insanely amazing fighting skills and intelligence. And like, I really so much wanted them to be that, but it's, it's more like uncivilized is what she's getting at, which is gross. Yes. That's exactly a great way to put it. Um, But we'll talk about the great things about them because they, I love them. I think they seem great. Um, so the two that arrived, their names are Zafrina and Senna. And Zafrina's talent is to basically like make anyone see like uh, pictures or like visions of what she wants them to see. If any listeners have watched Stranger Things season two, there's that kind of controversial episode. Have you watched season two? I have, but I'm not sure what you're referencing. It was a while ago. Yeah, it was, came out like several years ago. But there's a an episode that people either love or hate where Eleven like breaks away for a bit and goes and meets up with eight, who was obviously a different child in the lab. And she basically has this exact same talent. Like she can like, I don't want to say hypnotize, but like she can make people see what she wants them to see. And it like seems completely real to them. And then there's also Senna who um, again, like Kebby never speaks, which is problematic, but they it's really cool to me how they're like really closely linked and 
it, it doesn't actually say if they're related, but yeah, it's clear that they're very close. I really liked that they were described as not two separate people, but appendages on one being. I thought like, what, what a talent, you know, what a, what, how advantageous that must be when you're, you know, I, I don't know, fighting or hunting to be able to have that level of mental dexterity and closeness with the other person that you could work so closely with them, like super cool. Yeah, it almost seems like they're twins, kind of, that have that kind of, like, twin telepathy that people talk about. And then there is a third one, who we don't meet, Kachiri, and that's because the other two explain that Alice basically sent them, and when they met up with Alice, Alice said that she needed Kachiri to come with her. So, what do you think about that? This this went along with what I was saying earlier, that these chapters made me feel better about Alice's decisions. Clearly, she's got something cooking up. She is putting something in the crock pot, and we are going to have a delicious dinner later. And there's just so much mystery, because we don't know if uh, Kachiri has any... I I don't think it's mentioned if she has any powers one way or the other. Um, It's just kind of that she's going with Alice. She's needed with Alice. So we have this weird address that she gave Bella and we know that she specifically needs this person for some reason. And I'm just, I I don't have any, like I genuinely don't have any predictions. Like it really is a question mark in my mind right now, but I feel like we are leading up to something juicy. I love that. Yeah. Um. So in the index, there's also asterisks by the, vampires that have supernatural abilities above like a normal vampire and Kachiri does not have one so I'm assuming that means that she doesn't have a gift but it's interesting then in that case that what what does she need her for then you know what what is her purpose if she does not have a supernatural ability that could be advantageous in some way I guess we'll see indeed we will um okay so Basically, the remainder of this chapter is um, Bella is trying to learn two different things, really. How to fight because she is so new to being a vampire. And also, she's trying to learn to see if she can use her shield power to protect others. And she has, like, some minimal success, but she can't really, um, like, replicate it or, um, like, really develop it because she doesn't really understand how it works. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I... I can't even wrap my head around it. Like you're told that it's possible, perhaps maybe you can do this, but it's also possible perhaps maybe you can't. And you have no idea what to physically do to make it happen if you can do it. I'm picturing Bella, you know that meme of that one like kid in a desk and he's like clenching really hard and his face is all red and there's like veins popping out. Like I'm picturing that's what she looks like in the clearing. Like, trying to get it to work totally yeah that I feel like is accurate I did want to say that I was like a little bit annoyed that later on in the chapter when she is having some success with it she like refers to it as like a physical feeling of like basically like I think she calls it like a rubber band or something yeah and I'm just like okay, so you never noticed that before? You know, like, how do you have a new sensation that you've... I I guess you can't have new sensations all the time. I don't know. It just, like, it didn't really make sense to me. I have a feeling that perhaps it's something that 
she maybe she felt but didn't realize that that's what it was like when you she obviously is turned into a whole new creature so I'm sure she's experiencing a lot of different things that she's unfamiliar with or even because she's now supernatural she has the ability to like not feel it I guess like it's it's something that she's able to not think about and kind of block out because she has other things to be thinking about I guess like I can kind of see it you know yeah that's actually that actually helps me a lot because I I kind of forget that she is so new to this because she's so good at at being a vampire that like that part doesn't seem new like I know she is learning how to fight but I know the idea of and Edward doesn't like teaching her because he hates looking at her that way but like also the idea of like Bella who trips over her own air like fighting I know she's not like that anymore but it's also like kind of funny to me as well yeah it's a little a little silly goofy (laughs) I will also say too that if your power is just inherent and it's always just been inherent and you haven't had to do anything for it to work to then be told you have to do something to make this work you probably would be a little confused like do what I don't have to do anything to make it work. So now what am I supposed to do? You know, like having to teach yourself to actually physically do something might be a little challenging. Yeah, that's a great point. It feels a little bit like Kung Fu Panda-esque, everyone teaching her, which is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Um, And Kate is one of her primary teachers, but she's a little harsh. She like literally forces Bella to protect Renesmee from like her electric shock power and Bella gets pissed and she's about to, like, cover her throat. It's actually kind of funny. I mean, not to bring Avatar back into it, but there, I kind of suspected that this was going to be the thing that worked. Because there's a whole episode about, I don't want to, I don't want to get too much into Avatar lore with you, but essentially the Avatar can get into the Avatar state, which is a way for them to have the access to the powers of all past avatars. They're just very, very powerful. They can control all the elements insanely well. They're extremely strong. It's like it's like beast mode, if you had to picture, picture it. Um, but there's an episode where there's this general that is trying to harness the power of the avatar state, and Aang is having a really hard time doing it. And nothing is working. They can't physically make it happen. And the only way that he's able to, to cause it to come about is by Aang doesn't realize it's a trick, but he endangers the life of Aang's friends. And so in a reactive, in a, in an, in a reaction to that, he's like trying to protect his friends that he loves the most and gets into the avatar state. So I'm like, she's going to fucking use Renesmee because Bella's like, absolutely not. No one's going to touch her. And that's, what's going to like, I was like, the thing that's going to unlock Bella's powers is like the fear of losing the one she loves most. Edward being shocked. It was like, she knew that like, while it, while it hurts and it's sad, Edward's not going to die from this. And like, he's strong. But Renesmee is half human and she's got to protect her child. So I'm not surprised at all that this worked. Yeah, same. It was kind of a boss move by Kate. Um, Even though I think she was a little pushy about it. um, I do appreciate it. Yeah, I'm like, was she really going to do it, you think? 
Yeah, I actually kind of do think she would. Um, okay. So then at the very end of the chapter, oh, well, first there's a little moment with Garrett where Garrett's like, touch me with the shocky thing, and then he loves it. <laughs> and then the Romanians show up, who we kind of already talked about, but maybe I'll just read a bit to kind of give a sense of their general aura. So I'm on page... 626. And this is Carlisle speaking at first. We are not challenging the Volturi. There has been a misunderstanding, that is all. A very serious misunderstanding, to be sure, but one we're hoping to clear up. What you see are witnesses. We just need the Volturi to listen. We didn't, we don't care what they say you did. And we don't care if you broke the law. Also, I'm not going to say like back and forth because they just talk in back and forth sentences. So I'm just reading the dialogue. No matter how egregiously, We've been waiting a millennium and a half for the Italian scum to be challenged. If there is any chance they will fall, we will be here to see it. I mean, like, they got beef. <laughs> Look, here's the thing. Here is the thing. I'm going to use Andrew Tate as a fucking example. I, there are some people in my life that I would pay money to sit front row seat at watching their fucking downfall. So I get it. I would have I would have paid all of my life savings to have been there when Andrew Tate got fucking owned. All I'm saying is I kind of get the sentiment. I kind of get like you've you've been foes with this group of people for eons and now they're getting they're maybe going to get their comeuppance. Yeah, I'm coming. I'm showing up. I'm going to come and watch. I'm coming and I'm bringing popcorn <laughs> and a friend. <laughs> Okay, so um, that's pretty much the end of the chapter. I do have a summary kind of question for you, but I'm just going to read a little bit to sum us up. So starting on the bottom of page 627. In the end, we had pulled together 17 witnesses, the Irish, the Egyptians. I'm not going to read all these names too many. The Amazons, the Romanians, and the Nomads to supplement our family of 11. Tanya, Kate. Eliezer and Carmen insisted on being counted as part of our family. Aside from the Volturi, it was probably the largest friendly gathering of mature vampires in immortal history. We were all beginning to be a little bit hopeful. Even I couldn't help it. Renesme had won over so many in just a brief time. In such a brief time. The Volturi only had to listen for just the tiniest second. The last two surviving Romanians focused only on their bitter, bitter resentment of the ones who had overthrown their empire 1,500 years earlier they would not touch Renesmee, but they showed no aversion to her. They seemed mysteriously delighted by our alliance with the werewolves. They watched me practice my shield with Sabrina and Kate, watched Edward answer unspoken questions, watched Benjamin pull geysers of water from the river or shark gusts of wind from the still air with just his mind, and their eyes glowed with their fierce hope that the Volturi had finally met their match. We did not hope for the same things, but we all hoped. Did you have anything that we skipped over from that chapter? No, we covered all of it. Um, what was your overarching final question? Okay, so now that we basically, as far as I know at least, we know all of the powers, the vampire powers that Stephanie has introduced, at least in canon. I'm sure she's talked about other ones in, you know, like her backstories or whatever. But which one out of all of them would you want to have? Hmm... Okay, I definitely don't think I want to read people's minds because I cannot handle the constructive criticism. Yeah, I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't want to know. 
I'm very inclined to say Benjamin's power simply because it's been a dream of mine to control the elements literally since Avatar The Last Airbender came out. Um, I think uh, Kate's powers are cool. The electric current to repel people, which also, by the way, when shields got brought up and Kate kind of said, like, I kind of have a version of it. And um, I, is there another person who had a shield power? It was someone in the Volturi had a power to, like, make you, like, go the other direction. It made me think of what's his name from Bree Tanner, um, the the kid that was Bree's friend. Yes, Fred. And you're right. That's very similar to Renata is the other one that's brought up, who is Arrow's bodyguard. Yes. And I, I meant to bring that up and I just completely forgot. But anyways, anyways, I think a shield power would be fine. But like if you're not fighting with other vampires or like you're kind of just minding your own business, I don't think you'd have a lot of use for it. So, um... The lying thing would be cool, you know, in some cases. I think I think I'm gonna say Benjamin's power. I want to control the elements. Yeah, that's kind of what I was thinking you would say, but I was curious. Mm-hmm. Um, mine is gonna seem like so corny, so pick me, girl. But I would actually love to have Chelsea's power, only because I just want everyone to get along, <laughs> and I feel like I could just like make people love each other more. I would not. Unless I had good reason, I would not use the part of the power to make people not like each other. Although, maybe I would. (laughs) But I just feel like you could do a lot of good in the world with that. I definitely think if I had that power, and look, I think it's good to hold a critical eye to ourselves. But I think upon realizing I had this power, I definitely would use and abuse it it to get people to hook up with me. <laughs> I was going to say, I feel like the very first thing you would do is show up at Josh Hutcherson's house. <laughs> Don't mind if I do. <laughs> okay, cool. Well, next week we have another two chapters, chapters 33 and 34. Their titles are Forgery and Declared. What are your predictions, Paige? Hmm. Declared, I feel like it makes me think of like a declaration of war. So I could see perhaps, I mean, at this point in the book, we've accumulated, I feel like everyone we're going to accumulate. We're not going to get any more people. So the Volturi can show up at any point now. I'm fine with them showing up. I could see there being a time jump, you know, like a month in the future or whatever. There was kind of a time jump at the, you know, once everyone had been introduced, I feel like. So I could see declaration or declare being something of like the Volturi stating what they want or that it's war forgery though is interesting because I mean we all know the definition of forgery so who's who's lying who's making stuff up the only thing I can think of that would maybe be a forgery I mean Alice left that handwritten note so maybe we're gonna Maybe maybe Bella's going to do maybe a little more digging on where Alice might be, a little more research into this JJ thing. I think that's what it was. Um, it's just, I can't picture what else would be forged, you know? Maybe something comes from the Volturi that's a forgery, but, like, the fact that it's titled forgery yields me, yields, 
leads me to believe that Bella is aware that something is a forgery. So what is she aware of? It makes me think Alice. Something about Alice's note or Alice's clues potentially might be a forgery. I don't know. We'll see. Cool. I like it. I do believe it's your turn to hit up the socials. Okay. Well, it's been a nice little break. We all, I'm sure, I mean, I don't want to speak for Emily, but we all enjoyed seeing your happy birthday wishes and all that jazz. We love hearing from you all. So if you want to hit us up on Instagram or or Tumblr, you can find us at Tuesdays Are for Twilight. You can hit us up on Twitter. I hear things maybe getting a little better. Maybe not. We'll see. Um, you can hit us up there at Taft Pod, T-A-F-T Pod. If you want to hit us up on email, we uh, we just got a really nice email just the other a couple weeks ago from Meredith, and it just made both of our days. So if you want to send us a really nice email, you can email us, email us at TuesdaysAreForTwilight at gmail.com. If you'd like to send us a little something, something on Patreon, you can do that at patreon.com slash Tuesdays are for Twilight. And then also, obviously, another amazing worthy cause if you want to donate monetarily, but also just educating yourself and educating others. You can find out about the Quileutes and their efforts to move their cultural land to higher ground. You can find out more about that and donate at www.mthg.org. Great. Thanks so much, Paige. And yes, thanks for reminding me. Um, I did receive some very nice birthday messages for my birthday last week, and I really, really appreciate it. Love you all. So thank you. Um, It's the first one of 2023. What are you going to do for us, Paige? Triumph, your joyous heart. Trumpet it loud into the heavens for all to hear. Joy is triumph, and triumph is joy. Thanks, I guess. We'll see you next week, everyone. Bye. Bye. Our amazing intro and outro music was performed by Danny Plowman and produced by Alberto Beltran. You can follow Danny at Danimal6, and that's six the word, not six the number, Danimal6 underscore on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs>